Let us pray. Our precious Father, we want to thank you again for the privilege we have to gather tonight to study your word. We trust you to teach us and to open our ears and give us understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're still continuing the series of uh, weapons of our warfare, and I need to know the importance of knowing this. Weapons, because if you don't succeed in this warfare, the enemy will steal your blessings from you. It will hinder your blessings. They can take life. It kills, destroys, steals. So you got to win these battles so that you are secure that which is yours, enjoy it, and live a life that gives you fullness of joy. So our text is Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God. We said it last time that we need to remember that we have to put on the whole armor of God, not some of them, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now what the wiles of the devil? Verse 11. Let me read that verse 11 in Amplified. It says, put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavy armed soldier, which God supplies. So God supplies this armor because it's the armor of God, that you may be able to successfully be able successfully to stand up against all the strategies and deceits of the devil. So King, uh, Amplify calls it strategies and deceits, and then uh, King James calls it the wise, which is the deceits of the devil. Uh, if you go to 2 Corinthians 2.11, you, you will see something there that says, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. Evil schemes. You don't want him to outsmart you. We're dealing with his tricks, mind game, mind control, fantasies, deceits, suggestions, accusations, all manner of stuff that he throws at us to get into our inner, inner heart, to get into our mind and control it because he knows that out of it comes all the issues of our life. So we'll continue Ephesians 6 verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of weakness in the heavenly places. We said last week that we are from a position of strength because they are all under our feet. Let me remind us what Ephesians 1.21 says. Far, we are seated with Christ far above all principalities, all power, all might, all dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world which is to come and had put all things under his feet. And like we say, the church is his body, his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So all these spirits, all these principalities, powers, rulers of darkness that we are confronting, they are really under our feet. So we are from a position of strength and advantage in dealing with them. Nobody should be afraid of the devil. That's the last thing you want to do. You can't be afraid of somebody who's under your feet. You just cannot be. So we continue reading Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you will be able to to withstand. See, they take up the whole armor of God, is repeated, that you may be able to withstand in the evil days. And having done all to stand. He didn't say having done all to go roaming around talking to people. To stand. Take your stand. Take your stand. Took it out. Take your stand. Having done all, take your stand. He didn't say to waver. He didn't say to waver. Take your stand. 14 says, stand therefore. This word stand is used twice. 
Having done all, having taken all the armor of God, take your stand as a good soldier of Christ. Stand therefore, having guided your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So we are going to look at uh, the armor of truth as we started last week. We continue this week and the armor of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. We looked at the other armors uh, uh, next week and the other weeks that we are going to be teaching about, about them. So now you know, the, one of the reasons that people don't get interested in studying scriptures and knowing things like this, because they think, oh, if I have a problem, I go to the man of God, he will pray for me wrong, completely wrong. If you are ignorant, you'll be destroyed. Look, people can pray for you and help you, but there's a point when God will expect much from you. He will let you, you have, God expects you to grow. People can help you when you're a new Christian, when things heavy comes on you, people can come together and help you. But in the final analysis, it is your faith that will save you. In the final analysis, brethren, your faith is required. And so the Bible says in Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. If you don't want to gather knowledge, you are going to fall into this. He said, because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being peaceful. And people are not interested. They reject knowledge. They're just junketing around, doing what they like. So you don't want to fall into this category now. And in Mark 6, 5, you should understand and be familiar with that. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any mighty miracles among them, except to place his hands on a few sick people, heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Jesus doesn't change. The same Jesus yesterday, today, and forevermore. Healing, deliver, everything is in the power of Christ. If he couldn't do that, the Bible says he couldn't. You know what couldn't means? He couldn't means he could not. Not that he didn't want to, but their unbelief hindered him. Their lack of faith in him hindered him. And so if you hindered him then, it will hinder him now, for Christ doesn't change. That's why you need to learn and develop your faith. So your unbelief does not hinder God, hinder the power of God working for you. Now, the weapons of truth that God supplies, as we said, we, we dealt with it last week, is very important in knowing the truth. We must know the truth. We must know the truth about every other weapon, and we can't afford the ignorance that we, like we have just said, because ignorance will cause us to lose every battle. Now, the weapon of truth is like the belt that ties everything together, because if you are ignorant, you are ignorant. I mean, if you are ignorant, you are ignorant. Paul said we, we, are, we are not ignorant of the devices of the enemy, his deceits and things. If you are ignorant, he will outsmart you. So ignorance is not an option. That's why you must study your scriptures to know. You owe it to yourself. You just owe it to yourself. But listen to Bible studies. Listen to, we're going to see the importance of all of this as we go along. Now, this is one of the reasons that truth takes center stage. 1 Corinthians eleven nineteen. For there must be also heresies among you. Must be heresies among you. That they which are approved may be made manifest among you. There are people, Christians in every church, who, who deceive people, who teach error. They are sources of deceit and sources of wrong doctrine. They keep going all over the place. They have no standard in their life. There is no standard. They go here, they land it. Go here, they land it. They go here, they land it. There's no mixture, cacophony of junk. There are people like that in every church. They are not, they are not stable. No, they are not stable. The Bible said you are going to have them among you. That's why you must know the truth. That's why it's important that you know the truth. 
And then number, look at 2 John 1, 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world. You see what we're talking about? Not few, many, who confess not that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. They deny that Jesus came in the flesh. Now there are people who deny that Jesus is God. They don't believe that Jesus is God, and yet Jesus is God. That he came here as a man. The Bible said he's, that he, being God, is not robbery. He being God and being equal to God is not robbery. It's not he's taking what is not. But he set it aside to become a man to come and save us. And after he saved us, the days of his flesh were over. Now he went back to who he is. And like I was saying somewhere yesterday, now he's now omnipresent. Only God can be omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's in so many people at the same time, only God has that quality. Jesus is God. He is God. And there are many scriptures that tell us that Jesus is God. You can find them in the book of Hebrew. You can find them. That calls him God. Actually, the scripture calls him God. And, and Jesus said, let the, angels of, let the angels worship him. But the scripture says, you shall worship the Lord thy God only. But God says you should be worshipped because he's God. So Jesus came and became a man. That shouldn't confuse you. He became a man so that he can die for us. But he is God. He rose up and he is God. God Almighty. That's why we worship him in churches. That's why we sing to his glory, his praises. So some people think he didn't come in the flesh. There are, there are deceivers, man, all over the place. So many of them. Second Peter 2, 1 to 3 says, In the past there arose false prophets among God's people. So this, it didn't start today. Just as there will, be, there will continue to be false teachers, who will secretly infiltrate in your midst to divide you, bringing with them their destructive heresies. He said it has always been so. Bringing with them the destructive heresies, they will even deny the master, they deny Jesus. Their focus is not on Christ. They don't pro promote and project teachings about Jesus. They deny the master who paid the price for them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow Immoral lifestyles, they follow them. Many. The Bible says, many will follow immoral lifestyles. And because of these corrupt false teachers, the way of faith will be slandered because of what they do. It will be slandered. They are only out for themselves. They collect money from you. How any sensible person can give them money, it beats me. Jesus said, freely you have received free gift. When somebody begins to collect money, can't you even understand this is no more God's way of doing things. They are only out for themselves, ready to exploit you for their own gain through their cunning arguments. Their commendation has long, their condemna condemnation has been a long time coming, but their destruction does not slumber or sit idly by, for it is sure to come. You don't want to join them. See, that's why you should know the truth, because all these things are there. There are many like that. The Bible says many. Talk of the scripture that talks about doctrines of the devil spilling out of, of everywhere. Everywhere. So much. So you need to really know the truth for yourself so that by knowing the truth, you can discern and be able to, to protect yourself against the deceits of all. Some of them are even in positions of authority in many churches and groups and denominations. And they have titles and big names. And they do stuff that's not Bible. And nobody does to say, no, this is not Bible, because they have earned some kind of respect and position. That doesn't entitle anybody to violate the scripture. The Bible says we should not put men above that which is written. 
You can't put, if God put his word above his name, you can't put a man above what is written. That's idolatry. That's worship of men. You can't do that. If anybody teaches you anything, including me, go to the Bible. Check it out. If it doesn't rhyme, don't take it. Don't, don't elevate men above scriptures. Don't do that. The word of God is above all of us. Because God exalted his word above his name. Now, there are doctrines of men that you have to encounter. Let me read Colossians 2, 18, 23. These are doctrines that men put in place. It's not in the Bible. Just doctrines, things that people put. Rituals, practices that are not Bible. You don't need them. They're worthless. They're useless. And there are a lot of them. And people do them. Defend them. Fight for them. Give me chapter and verse why it is they don't have. Now, Colossians 2, 18 to 23. Don't let anyone disqualify you from your prize. Don't let anyone disqualify you from the gifts that God gave you in Christ. Don't let their pretended sincerity fool you as they deliberately lead you into their initiation of angel worship, angel worship, for they take pleasure in pretending to be experts of something they know nothing about. Their reasoning is meaningless and comes only from their own opinions. They refuse to take hold of the true source, but we receive directly from him, that is Christ, and his life supplies vitality into every part of his body, which is the church, through the joining ligaments connecting us all as one. He is the divine head who guides his body and causes it to grow by the supernatural power of God. For you were included in his death. Now we died with him. We rose with him. We have a new life. You don't need rituals. He said we are included in the death of Christ and have died with him to the right religious system and powers of this world. We died with him. We rose with him. We don't derive our being from all these rituals and laws. We derive our being from Christ. We derive our life from him because we died with him, joined with him, died with him, rose with him, united with him, we are his body. So these people begin to give you, uh, for example, their strict requirements is don't, you can't associate with that person or don't eat that, you can't touch that, don't wear earrings, don't do all this kind of stuff. You can wear good wristwatch. These are doctrines of men and corrupt customs that are worthless to help you spiritually. For though they may appear to possess the promise of wisdom in their submission to God through the deprivation of their physical bodies, it's actually nothing more than empty rules rooted in religious rituals. I like what uh, uh, how New Living Translation translates verse 23 of Colossians 2. Though these rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion. Though they say, oh, don't do this. Oh, don't do that. Oh, we don't do this. We don't wear this. We don't wear. There is decent dress for Christians. Don't, don't get me wrong. The, the Christians should decent, dress decently. The Bible says we should do all things in order and decently. So there is decency that glorifies God. But what I'm trying to say is that there are this, some of these rules that is not even biblical, but people enforce them. Enforce them. And they say these rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desire. They can't help you when it comes to evil desires. But the only one who can is Christ himself. Without him, you can do nothing. It is the strength of our life. It is the strength of our life. Not all those rituals. 
Now let's talk about meditation because you know, there are well-meaning Christians have unwittingly been doing all these meditations that promises healing for the mind and body. There are mostly of some of these religions that come from some continents. Some even pay for it. And even many churches now do them in their programs and offer them as means, means of mind healing. Any platform you, you back up, you support. Any platform at all that you support. Any doctrine you imbibe, you are going to be in contact with the spirit that set it up pretty soon. Whatever spirit that put, put it out there, that's a means for bringing you in contact with that spirit. Please be careful. So in this meditation thing, let's see what the scripture says. Psalm 119 verse 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and the light for my path. So what does the word guide us into? How does the word tell us? What does it say about what to meditate upon? If the word of God is lamp to guide my feet, then what the word says is what I should do. Now Psalm 107 verse 20. How does God heal? Heal our mind, heal our body. How does God heal us? He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. See, the plan of God for us, the plan of God to save us, to heal us, to bless us, is consummated only in Christ Jesus' church. It's fulfilled in him. Healing is in him. Deliverance is in him. Freedom is in him. Healing mind, soul, and body is in Christ. Complete healing is in Christ. Any other plan that is not Jesus is not of God. Ephesians 3, 3 to 4. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed this mysterious plan to me. Paul said, God revealed this mysterious plan to me. You know, revealed this mysterious plan to me. Then verse 4, as you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into his plan regarding Christ, regarding Jesus. What is this plan? Let's go to Ephesians 3 verse 5. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news, which is the gospel, share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. That's all. God's plan is to bring us his blessings through Christ Jesus. Period. Free. Paid for. By his death, burial, resurrection. Both are part of the same body, that is the church, and both enjoy the promise, the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. So he said, by God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. In verse 12, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please, don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honored. Now look at 2 Corinthians 1.19. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you as God's ultimate yes. He always does what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen. The promise to heal you, to give you, restore your mind. Whatever you're looking for is in Christ. You don't need to meditate on anything else. That whatever is not Christ is not the source of your blessing. John 1, 16 to 17. For out of his fullness, that's abundance, we have all received, all had a share 
and we are all supplied with one grace after another, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, even favor upon favor, and gifts heaped upon gift. For while the law was given through Moses, grace on and undeserved favor and spiritual blessing and truth came through Jesus Christ. Therefore, our meditation should be as the scripture has instructed, Isaiah 45, 22. Let all the world look to me for salvation. Look to Jesus. Focus on him. For I am God. There is no order that will help you. None. None. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaves also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. You, are, you prosper in your mind, prosper in your heart, prosper in the things you do. If you meditate on God's word, meditate on God's word. There is nothing else to meditate upon, child of God. Isaiah 26, 3, thou will keep him in perfect peace. You are looking for healing for your mind, peace. Listen to scripture. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. When you focus and meditate on the Lord, he keeps you in perfect peace. He gives you peace of mind. Trust in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Joshua 1.8, study this book of instruction continually, meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper in your mind, your soul, your spirit. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and they sat down on the right hand, on the hand of the throne of God. So we do not involve in any type of meditation not prescribed by the word of God, for his word is lamp unto your feet and guide unto your path. The word of God teaches us to meditate only on God, only on scripture, only on the Lord Jesus Christ, because from there comes your inner healing you want. It's coming from Christ. It's not coming from any other place. We're talking about knowing the truth and what is out there in the world today. Now, there is this group that says they are looking for self-discovery. I mean, pastors. I mean, I'm talking of churches, Christians. They don't know them. All of a sudden, they don't know who they are. So they are looking for self-discovery. And some churches offer them programs in self-discovery. They say, I don't know who I am. and I want to discover who I am. Entire churches run programs on this kind of thing. Ignorance is really terrible. Completely disastrous. And it's important who you follow. Because some churches offer this thing. Instead of Sunday school, they don't have Sunday school. What they have is this kind of thing. They bring from so-called this, and they pay them. They don't have Sunday school. That one hour service. 30 minutes coffee and this other one. And then all this program they do. That's it. Doesn't even, not even Bible. Not even Bible. Is that, it's as bad as that. If you are starting to know who you are in Christ, perfect. That's what the Bible says. Because in Christ you live, move, have your being. You discover yourself in Christ. Philippians 3.8. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. When you study to know Christ, you find yourself in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is true faith in Christ, 
the righteousness which is from God by faith. If you are born again, let me remind you who you are. You are not lost. Christ found you, gave you an identity. This is who you are. Ephesians 2.8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. That's who you are. You are God's masterpiece. He has created you anew in Christ Jesus. So you can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You are God's masterpiece. He created you a new person in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 4.24. Put on your new nature now. Created to be like God. You have the nature of God. You have the life of God. That's who you are. Truly righteous and holy. That's who you are. Don't look for that. Colossians 3.4. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then you shall also appear with him in glory. Christ is your life. Looking for who you are, you, Christ is your life because you received his life. He is living in you. He gave you the nature of God. He gave you the life of God. You are created to be like God. And now you are a son of God. Whether you are a female or male, you are a son of God. The same way the Bible calls us the bride of Christ. Whether you are male or female, we are bride of Christ. It's not only the women. The men, everybody who is a Christian is a bride of Christ. The same way uses the same word sons of God. So there's no discrimination here. There is no discrimination at all. If I'm a bride of Christ, then you're a son of God too. So he used that word for everybody. Sons of God. John 1, 12. That as many as received him, they then gave him the power to become sons of God. That's who you are. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. Even to them that believe on his name. That's who you are. Exactly who you are. First John 3, 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Are you looking to see how you are? You are like Jesus. Study the scripture and find out the character and life of Jesus. That's, what, that's who you are. That's, that's the image you carry. When, you say we shall, when, when he shall appear, we shall be like him. But we shall see him as he is. Because we have his nature. He created us new, gave us the nature of God, made us truly righteous and holy. That's who you are. Want to know who you are? The scripture is telling you who you are. And that you're a member of God's family. Ephesians 2.19. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners. You are not a stranger or foreigner that has no community. Be fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. You are the son of God. You belong to the household of God. You have your identity in Christ. You are created to be like him. You have the nature of God. And we can go on and on and on. Don't get involved in all this so-called self-discovery. We, know, we sing it in our song. I know who I am. We sing it because we know who we are. All this identity stuff based on some program, so-called experts, is worthless. It's not scriptures. The plans God has for you is in Christ. To give you your identity is in Christ. So don't, stop, don't join all this self-discovery. Are you lost? You're not lost. We sing it. And that's why I like where I came from. We're so robust about this thing. We sing it. I know who I am. You know, I, I'm living in power, living in miracle. And there are two things that will help us receive the truth. No, the reason we're sharing this is because it's happening and it's spreading like wildfire. I'm sure if you go to where we came from there, because they copy anything from me, anything <laughs> copy, 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 copy. Just copy. Once it's from outside, ah, it must be good. It's not true. There are a lot of good things here. There are also bad things here. 
Just like where we came from, there are a lot of good things there and there are bad things there. So we must know the truth so we can stand the, the things that are happening and the, the confusion the enemy is causing in this last days. Two things will help us to receive the truth. Number one, we must have love for the truth. If you don't have love for the truth, you won't get the truth. This weapon of truth will, will elude you. Second Thessalonians 2.9, this man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. You see what we are facing? Counterfeit power, signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. Why? Because they refuse to love and accept the truth that will save them. There are many like that. They aren't interested in studying the Bible. They aren't interested in the truth. They aren't interested in learning. They don't have love for Jesus. They don't have love for the truth. They're just church goers. So the love of the truth is very important. Why? God will not give you what you don't want. He won't force it down your truth. In Matthew 7, 6, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your peers to pigs. They will trample the peers. The peers then turn and attack you. So don't throw what is holy to people who don't value it. Even the scripture says we shouldn't advise people who don't value advice. He said they will attack you. They will, they won't, it's no use for them. So God is not going to give you the treasure of heaven when you don't value it. You will trample upon it and throw it aside. And number two is growing out of carnal life. It's important that we grow spiritually. It's not, an, it's, not, it's not optional. It's not optional at all. Maturity is important to be able to stand the deceit of Satan. Very important. That's why we need to come under the ministry that God put in the church because the Holy Spirit said all those ministries bring us to maturity, all of them. You know, we must understand that when God gives us instruction, that's just that's the way it works. So Ephesians, Ephesians verse, verse 1. Now these are the gifts Christ gave Ephesians 4, verse 11, yeah. 4, 11, yeah. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. See, the gifts Christ gave to you as a Christian, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, they are a gift to you, a gift to you. Let me repeat them. Apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers, they are a gift to the church. What are they supposed to do? The next verse. The next verse says, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So if you are not giving yourself to the ministry of your pastors and the teachers God put in the church, you are missing. I mean, God, you're, just, you're just cheating yourself. You won't be equipped, period. Because if you, if, you, if, you don't, if you don't think God's word is important, God doesn't think along with you. It's important. Their responsibility is to equip you. So you sit down in the Sunday school and learn. You sit down in the life center and learn. You sit down in the Bible studies and learn. That's humility. That's being humble. So when they verse 13, this will continue. They will continue to teach until we all come to this such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, who is the truth. Who is the truth? God's Son. That we will be mature in the Lord. People who know Jesus, who know their God, they are strong. Mature in the Lord. The Bible talks about people who are skillful in the word of righteousness. Mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. You see what it does? Because the devil is belching out these things. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us 
With lies so clever, they sound like the truth. Then we'll no longer we'll continue verse 15. Verse 15. Oh, that's the end. Sorry. That's what I gave you. Okay, let's go to um, Ephesians 4, 23 to 24. Instead, let the Spirit renew that. Let the Holy Spirit educate you. Let the Holy Spirit teach us through these people, through their ministries, through their ministries. I remember my, my wife and I were just talking about it the other day, that our marriage was improved because we steadfastly were attending couples forum right from Lagos. And we learned a lot that helped us improve our relationship. We did. Those are avenues that God gives you. He says, hey, I will not allow the trouble that you can't handle come and I'll make a way of escape. These are God's ways of escape. These are God's. So you can fortify your marriage. So the devil wants to attack it. God has given you information ahead of time. But some are not interested in that because in their eyes, they are self-sufficient. They don't need those things. They don't need all those things. What you think is irrelevant to God. What matters is what God thinks and what God says. So Ephesians 4.23 says, Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitude by put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now let's go to the breastplate of righteousness because these are the two things we're going to be talking about for today. It has two applications. Number one is the gift of righteousness which God gives to all who believe in Christ Jesus. Romans 4.3. Listen to what the scripture says. I'm reading TPT. Listen to what the scripture says. Because Abraham believed God's words, his faith transferred God's righteousness into his account. It means God accepted him. Righteousness is to be accepted. It's to be accepted. When people walk, they earn wages. It can be considered a free gift because they earned it. Verse 5. But no one earns God's righteousness. You can't walk in and say, God, accept me. We all fit in sinners. No one asks God's righteousness. It can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own works and now start relying on what Christ did. But believe in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous in his eyes. It is faith that transfers God's righteousness into your account. It is just faith. You can't earn it. The Bible said, by the deeds of the Lord shall no one be accepted by God. You can't earn it. It's a gift of God. When you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, God counts you righteous, transfers the righteousness of Christ to your credit, and sees you as righteous, just like Christ is. You say, oh, I don't merit it. Yeah, that's what the Bible is saying. That's what the Bible said. It says, it says he declares the ungodly. Yeah, he knows the ungodly. He declares the ungodly to be righteous in his eyes. Why? Jesus paid the price with his blood. And the prophet said this thing in Isaiah 45, verse 23. I have sworn by my own name, I have spoken the truth, and I will never go back on my word. Listen to what God is saying. Say, there's no turning back on this stuff. Every knee will bend to me, and every tongue will confess allegiance to me. 24. The people will declare, the Lord is the source of all my righteousness and strength. The Lord, Jesus it will be the source of all my righteousness and strength. The Lord is the strength of my life. He also my righteousness. The Lord our righteousness. And all who were angry with him now will come to him and be ashamed. In the Lord all the generations of Israel will be justified. Justified is to stand like you did nothing wrong. Be justified, to be condemned is the opposite of it, to be justified. And in him they will boast. Paul said we make a boast in the Lord our God. Look at Paul. 
Philippians 3, 9, and became one with him, I no longer count on my own righteousness. That's what a Christian should do. I don't count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ. Because the blood washed me clean. It's the work on the cross. It's the work on the cross. It is in Christ that God consummated all plans for you. All his plans for you and me was consummated in Christ Jesus. That's where he found it fulfilled. All his promises fulfilled in Christ is for our benefit. Christ never did one thing for his own benefit. Everything he did was for us. And Paul said, so I want this righteousness. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith only. Because without faith, you can't please God. It's impossible. Totally impossible. Now look at what 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he had made him to be seen for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Because Christ became sin for us because of his sacrifice on the cross, because of his blood that washes us of all unrighteousness, God made us righteous. Isaiah 53 verse 10. But it was God's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper. In his hands, verse 11, when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, when God sees that, he will be satisfied and because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible now for many to be counted righteous for he will bear all their sins. That's why he counted us righteous, the ungodly. Yeah. Because we're ungodly. That's why we have sins for him to bear. All of us. Romans 3.21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. So this righteousness is different from the one you say you can, you can achieve righteousness by what you do, which is impossible anyway. Apart from the law, it's revealed. Being witnessed by the law and the prophet. The law wrote about it, I just wrote. When the Bible talks of the law, it's not just talking about the Ten Commandments. It's talking about the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses, all those things that were written during the Old Testament. That, they all come under the, the law. You know, so it's witnessed by the law and the prophets. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God, not the righteousness of man, of God, through faith in Christ, Jesus Christ, to all and all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned, brethren. That's why Jesus bore our sins. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely. Remember, I said all, all generations will be justified in the Lord. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. When people reject the work of grace, they reject Jesus completely. Because the grace of God that brought us salvation is Christ himself. As himself. Romans 5, 17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift, 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 gift of righteousness. Gift is not end. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin. You cannot overcome sin without the power of God. When God counts you righteous, when God accepts you, he makes his blessings available to you. He brings fellowship with him. His strength begins to work for you. His power begins to work for you. That's why you will now live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ, who is now your Lord and your strength. 
those who are not accepted by God cannot access the strength, cannot access the power of Christ, cannot, cannot, until they accept Christ, believe in him, then Christ makes them righteous, and now they, are, they have access to his power, to his life, so they can live through that strength that Christ supplies to do all things now. They can now overcome sin, not in their strength, but in the strength that Christ, our righteousness, and our strength, and we make our boast now in him, which means our confidence is now in him. So he said, those who receive this gift shall reign in life, because they will have the presence of God with them, active. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me. God says, I'm the God, their righteousness. I've accepted them based on their faith in me. And because I've accepted them now, no weapon formed against them shall prosper because I'm there with them. That's the same thing you can say. David said in Psalm 23 verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. If God does not accept you, you can't say God is with me. It is this gift of righteousness to those who trust him that makes his presence available to them. Because now he accepts them. So there is that fellowship. So like David, you can say he's with me. For thy rod and thy staff comfort me. So even if you walk through the shadow of valley of death, and we live in the valley of shadow of death, because Psalm 23 is for the present time. We, the, the whole world lies in darkness, the scripture says. So we walk in the valley of shadow of death right now. But we fear no evil. Why? Because he's with us. Why? It's our righteousness. He gave us his righteousness. So we, we accept it by him. Because Jesus Christ died, carried our sin. Carried our sin. It is a sacrifice for our sin. He made us holy and clean. That's one part of this gift of righteousness. Then the other part of this gift of righteousness is living a righteous life pleasing unto God. That's another dimension of this weapon. Now remember that these are weapons of God that God supplies. Now this second part of righteousness is also what God supplies. This is where many Christians get confused. It's what God supplies too. Because this life is not the one that you do by your works. Paul said, I don't want to have the righteousness that comes from what I do, obeying the law, by my works. Because by that, by the deeds of the law, shall no man be justified before God. Paul said, it's a dead end. I can't be justified. I cannot be accepted. Because no man is 100% perfect. So he said, I want the righteousness that God gives. So that, that work of the law is not what we're talking about. We're not talking about self-righteousness, the things you have done, how good you are, and wonderful, wonderful, you know, praise you. That's what, we're not talking about that. Character management, we're not talking. That's not what we're talking about. God didn't supply that. You did it. <clears throat> it's you. Independent of God. No, I'm not, we're not talking about that. That's not the point that God supplies. What we're talking about is the life that Christ himself produces through you. When you trust him by faith, you walk by faith. You walk by faith in him. The just lives by faith in him. When you trust him, the life that he produces, we call it the fruit of the spirit, the life that Jesus produces through you, is not you, it's not your life. It's his life which he gave you. It's his spirit in you producing this thing. It's so different from the one I produced because I did this. No, this one now is because of him, so you make your boast in him. And Jesus said, like the vine, you are just a branch, a divine, you are just a branch. You know, the Lord gave me an illustration of this as I was walking this morning, walking out. He said to me, he said, when you put a pacemaker into, into somebody, 
Does he control the heart? I say, yeah. And he said, but when you control the heart, where do they see the activity? I say, they see his ability to do better. They say, yes, now. But they don't see the pacemaker, no. But they see what the pacemaker produces, yes. And where does he produce it? People say, oh, well, he said it now, he can do why. But there's a pacemaker inside of him regulating his heart. He said, you have Christ in you regulating your life. And people see it now, they see this, they see the world, but there's Christ in you regulating your life, regulating, controlling your life, manifesting himself in you. Philippians 1.11. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. The one that regulates your life inside. The Paul said, the love of God controls me inside, regulates me. For this we bring much glory and praise to God. Romans 7, 4. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You die to the power of the law. You see, we don't live through the law no more. After all, God shut that system down anyway. When Christ came, the Bible said that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. The, to be righteous through the law came to screeching hot. Because righteousness only comes by faith in Christ. Period. That's why the Bible says this righteousness of God is being revealed. So now it says, so my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. What is the point? You died to the power of the law. When you died with Christ, when we came to Christ, the law ceases to be our means of righteousness. Christ becomes our new life. It takes over. We died with Christ, and now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. We are united with Christ. We have become one with him. We have become one with him. As a result of this being one with him, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. So because we are joined to Christ, Christ is regulating our lives, and now we are able to do what we couldn't have done before, not in our own strength, but the strength and life which Christ supplies. Even though you see it in us doing it, but it's Christ in us walking, controlling, make, just like the pacemaker in the heart, it's controlling the heart and makes the person stronger and everything in the same way. Psalm 18, 28. God, all at once, you turned on a floodlight for me. Wow. Wow. He said, all at once, you turned on a floodlight for me. You are the revelation light in my darkness. That's what he's saying. And in your brightness, I can see the path ahead. Say, God, all of a sudden, you turned on a floodlight for me. You are the revelation light in my darkness. Darkness is ignorance, lack of strength, and all those things. And in your brightness, I can see the path ahead. Did you know that Jesus was called the light of this world that God lit up to guide us, to lead us? Matthew 4, 12 to 16. Now, when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the sea coast, in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali, that is, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, Christ, the, the psalmist said, all of a sudden, you lit up a great light. That's Christ. It's Christ. So great light. And to them, we sat in the region of shadow of death, light sprung up. Let me go back and read that Psalm 18 again, verse 28. God, all at once you turned on a flood light for me. You are the revelation light in my darkness. And in your brightness, I can see the path ahead. 
If you remove that light, you are in darkness. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. If you remove the light, you, can, you walk in darkness. You stumble all over the place. Now, Ephesians 5, 8. For you were once full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Christ within you. This light. Carefully now determine what pleases the Lord because you can do that. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since That is 2 Corinthians 5.14. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. Old life is gone. Now Christ controls us. The pacemaker in your heart controls your heart. And then you have strength. You're doing this. But that's a tiny thing they put there. That is regulating something there. Regulating something there. Sometimes surgeons do surgery, put things in your body that make you walk well. If you remove those things, you, you bracket everything goes apart. Your bones fall apart. If there's something nobody sees there that's making you stand well, making you walk well, Christ in us, the hope of glory, source of light, great light. Great light in our darkness. Great light in our darkness that produces only that which is good. We can't take credit for it. We just cannot. We are not the light. He is. Without him, we are the light of the world because the light is in us and shining. You know, you can choose to walk by faith in him, the light of life, which is Christ. Oh, you can choose to rebel against it. You can choose to. No force. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. See what Paul said. Not me. But Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I just live by trusting him. That's all. Because he's the one that produces these things through me. But you can rebel like the prodigal son who used to be in the father's house and decided to leave the world. You can still rebel. It's not by force. You can rebel. You have your will. But remember that unrighteousness gives foothold to Satan. In this our battle, we should remember it. Unrighteousness will give foothold to Satan. And it weakens your faith. He moves into the region of darkness, where by, uh, by, 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 by living in their world, you are, you are, you are supporting what their platform, and you are, you, are giving them, you are giving them authority to attack you, because you are supporting their platform. Romans 12, 21, don't let evil overcome, conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. See why? We should let that spirit of Christ Produce this thing and not rebel against him and resist him and follow the flesh. If you follow the flesh and the desires of the flesh, you shall surely die, playing to the hand of Satan. So he said, don't let evil overcome, conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. That's the righteous life that Christ is producing. That light produces only that which is good. Ephesians 4.27, for anger gives you a foothold to the devil. If anger gives you a foothold to the devil, then every other walk of the flesh will give a foothold to the devil. And remember, you are confronting him. You can't be building foothold and, and airport for him in your life. That's counterproductive. First Peter 3, 10. For the scripture says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil, your lips from telling lies. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Because evil will put you out of fellowship with God. It will really disinherit you. 
The prodigal son walked into evil. He walked away from the blessings of his father until he came back. So we understand that this, this righteous life that God produces is, is, is not, it's the, it's the only way. It's a way to overcome evil. When we live in it, we live in the light, and the light shines in darkness. Darkness cannot comprehend it. That's one way you lock the door against the devil. You don't open the door for you can't come in. They can't come in. They can't come in. But you do, you start living in the flesh, you are opening the door and making a platform for him. James 3, 14 to 17. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your heart, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descended not from above. So if you are living this kind of life, it's not from above, but it's earthly, sensual, and devilish. You see, already you have built a platform for the demons. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. The wisdom that is from above is first pure. The life that Christ produces is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy, and good fruits, and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. A sincere life, an honest life. So when we live the righteous life that Christ produces, we shut the devil out. We live in the great light. Great light. Light will always block out darkness. When light shines, darkness recedes. But when you walk into darkness, you don't have light there. And all the hidden things of darkness will crawl out, and you'll be a victim. So we see the weapon of righteousness is supplied by God. The, the gift of righteousness that God gives us when we believe in Christ, and the life of right, righteous life that Christ produces in us. And we can't take credit for it. And God, because you know people, when they do it, nobody recognizes me here. You have not understood. <laughs> if you know that your boast is in the Lord, you don't expect anybody to recognize you. You want them to recognize Jesus only because you are not the one that did the good. It is Christ alone. It is Christ. Paul said, I dare not talk of anything except what Christ has done through me. That's all we talk about. And give him all the glory. He is the great light. He produces the good things in us that we do. All good and perfect gifts are from him. I can't all of a sudden begin to expect to take glory in what I didn't produce. If you remove him, I won't do that good. I'll just be a regular person, doing the much my, my regular ability can give. You know, with natural life, you can be good to an extent. You can be nice so to an extent. You can forgive for, to an extent. But they will all buckle under certain pressure goes. But the, 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 the forgiveness of Christ is, is endless. His mercy is endless. It's new every day. His goodness is endless. His patience is endless. It's, it's amazing what his power does. It's so different from our own. You can determine, hey, I'm not going to do this tomorrow. But before 24 hours, you buckle. But when you put your faith in Christ, when he takes that thing over and begins to produce it, it overcomes everything. Because everything that is born of God overcomes this world. If it is of God, if it is of Christ, it will overcome this world for you. That's the way it works. So we live by faith in him. And this, this, this weapon of righteousness, we block out evil, we defeat evil, we overcome evil, we're doing good. It looks foolish, but that's what the scripture says, that that's the way to victory. The Lord will help us. We're going to take on the other weapons by next Thursday. And after that will be the, the Rising Generation Church. They'll have their week and will listen to their Bible studies and they will teach 
Whatever God gives them to teach us, I'll be very glad to listen to our children. Bless us as God has also called. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you again for the privilege to share the word. You're teaching us and equipping us so that we'll be overcomers truly, not just on the the mouth, but in real life. Because we need to overcome these vicious spirits so that they don't steal from us, kill what we have, destroy what we have. Father, we give you praise and glory for teaching us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.